Hi and welcome back to part 2 of Manti with Hollywood actor, producer and screenwriter Adam G. Simon. If you just joined us at this juncture, then chuck a Yui and head straight back to download and listen to part 1, then fishtail back for part 2. For everyone else, we rejoin the conversation with Adam and his admiration for directors Joe Lynch and Joe Carnahan. Get an update on the development status of Zeno, previously titled The Raid. Learn why Adam thinks Anthony Mackie is one of the coolest mofos to work with on set, as well as learn about productions being released under Adam's boxcar pictures. Enjoy! Chinkui! And I'd love to bring it back to, you know, individuals who you've praised as inspiring to help you grow as a writer. And you mentioned his name, uh, Joe Lynch. Joe Lynch, dude. I just wanted to know, how did that friendship come about, you know? And how was how was your involvement with the reimagining of Point Blank? How did that come about? I've, I've met the two Joes, you know, Joe Carnahan, Joe Lynch, and I got a, you know, still to this day, I got a, I got a great relationship with both of them. They're fantastic. And, um, you know, Joe Lynch, I met in the offices at Kamai. And it was Joe Carnahan who told Lynch, was like, hey, I got this movie. It's called Point Blank. Like, I think it would be great. Right. I should direct it. So we met at Gamont and just like right out the gate. It was like, dude, I love this guy. And, and we just hit it off and like started talking, started talking about movies that we loved. And, you know, originally Point Blank was supposed to be kind of like a love letter to live and die in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the movie was supposed to be shot in L.A. It was supposed to take place in L.A., but because of tax incentives, where we want to shoot, like all this other stuff, they're like Cincinnati. So some of the action sequences that we had in there with like a TMZ bus and like all this other crazy shit that we had concocted, we can no longer do. So we ended up, you know, the script changed quite a bit uh, when we moved to Cincinnati and and you know it is what it is but joe and i like hit it off we're both movie buffs we both love horror um which led into the project i won't say the title yet because i don't want to want to scoop it but we're you know the script is locked the script is finished joe's going to direct um we're working on the same and yeah. i have you know and the relationship continues with carnahan as well you know we have this film zeno that's we, right yeah we co-wrote together can i just pause yeah. you for a second, Adam, because <laughs> I wanted to, on Joe, you know, because you posted on Twitter on the 1st of July, the following, that at the Joel Lynch and I next joint is going to melt your motherfucking faces off. And it I was is. hoping you could share yeah. something, but you, you've just oh, pretty yeah. much, you've just pretty much gone, no, I can't do that. So, <laughs> Oh, dude, dude, when I tell you, it is absolutely the most batshit crazy thing I've ever seen. Like, and I've never seen anything like it. And this is what I would say. This is how this incident turned into how we approached this script. Okay. That we did together. So we were, we were sitting there and we were going through this one particular uh, sequence. Okay. And there was, for point blank, and there was all, the, the, you know, the producers were already there. People were already setting up. We were already, you know, kind of talking about the same and he's like man we don't you know i don't i don't think this sequence with the bus you know coming into this gas station and people running out of this thing and there's a big fight and all these people involved um they're telling me like you know we can't do it that's not in the budget we gotta slim this thing down i was like well what do, what do we have at the location like what's there and he's like you know we got a gas station there's a car wash and i go dude has there ever been a fight scene in a car wash and he goes 
no. Mm. And he said, I don't think so. Mm. Hold on. And he and it's like he scanned like <laughs> his mind, like just went through his IMDB Rolodex <laughs> yeah. head, and then he just went, ah, uh, there was this one, I think it's a Russian film. But it was like on the exterior of a car wash, but it wasn't in the car wash. We'd be the first. <laughs> and sure enough, like the fight sequence in point blank, like that was that that's where it came from. And we came up with that. That's brilliant. Uh, Can I my whole structure's going out the window here? And I love no, this. No, I have fun. this, I have this purposely just for me to go, you know what? I'm gonna cherry pick now. Um, because we're feeling oh, a right. bit of a groove. And so look, I wanna go back and maybe you can answer this, or maybe it's already been answered. But okay. in your discussion with Adam Green and Joel Lynch on, you know, I love their podcast, The Movie Crypt. You know, I love, okay. love that podcast. Um, and there's a comment about an action scene that I believe you'd written, but it gets bleeped out. And I've always been curious. I don't know if you recall it. And Joe's there going, no, 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 don't say anything. Adam's like, ah, oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll maybe get to it. Of course, he bleeps it out. Um, do you recall what that was? I'm just curious to know what was bleeped out. Okay. All right yeah so it, it was the car wash scene but, oh so it was that scene yeah but either, how it was written in the script was very different from how it was executed uh lynch had this idea of the blowers at the end of the car wash scene that they're firing so the whole thing would be subtitled that right you know, so he's in there going like i found a gun and he's like what and he's like a gun i found a gun and he's like okay whatever and he's like he's a cop and he's like what and he holds up a badge he's a cop and then he's like i know he's a cop and then they it's just but it's all subtitled because of the blowers uh didn't go down that way they just left like two lines but it was great we took that same energy right and took it to the script that we're that we're doing now which which was like look nobody's ever done this like literally it's never been done it's horror it's like balls in your face just unapologetically like this is what it is it's Love it's a real kind of uh subversive subliminal middle finger to the hollywood filmmaking system um and just what this town does to people and it's just i just had a blast i had so much fun writing on it i was gonna say i can't think of a better pairing than yourself and joe lynch then to execute yeah. that oh yeah no he's he's ridiculous the guy's a madman yeah and then the same thing you know on uh carnahan like like xeno was it, it's like easy man it's it, it's just easy because when i turn in a draft that was just joe and yes just joe and i wrote that script just like point blank was me and fucking lynch and then you know the producers had notes and input and stuff that they that they said, but there's only one person putting pen to page. Mm. But with Carnahan, it's like put a draft in, and it's it's effortless because it's it's just like, hey man, this this scene doesn't work, and here's why it doesn't work because ba ba ba, and then I go right, or this character arc, you know, really isn't clear, like like bro like say the dialogue of this scene out loud see what i'm saying it's it, it doesn't really work like let's let's mold up it's all about making the story better which for me i i never have any kind of ego in approaching a, a project it's all about hey let's build let's make this thing better let's you know let's do this thing which is why when i run into personalities that um and i've run into a lot who are hard on 
working class people like on set. I'm one of them. Writers get paid dog shit unless you're Taylor Sheridan. Then you can afford to, you know, direct a film on horseback. And I have no idea what that's about. Um, you know, in all respect to him, like the guy's Jesus, man, right? Like Hell or High Water, Sicario, like Wind River. But like, bro, if you're, when I come into contact with people who really, they're believing their own hype, you know, now I avoid. I used to confirm. If I disengage with a character, whether that's an actor, a writer, director, producer, whatever, it's usually because there's a hostility and I'm just avoiding that because I'm the kind of guy that the right time, right place, you bought me in the nose, I'm fucking you up. So I, I just, I'm too old, man. I just want to avoid, 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 just pivot and move. Pivot I and think move. that's perfect. You know, like be like water, as Bruce Lee would say, you know, and obviously someone who is all the contrary to that. And I, I, I just wanted to know because you must have had a blast, you know, when you were sharing the screen. I was just curious to hear and to learn about your time with Anthony Mackie. I don't love a guy more. Like, <laughs> dude, he is one of the most genial, consummate professionals. There's a guy who it's like, where do you want me? Over here? Yep, got it. Boom. Glass falling on me? Cool, got you. Yeah, just wow. say action. I got it. You know, what am, what am I doing with this? I do this and this. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got it. Like so down to just go and keeps like the energy up and like the, the positivity and everybody, like everybody. He has a very keen understanding of, I know exactly what this guy's job is. I know how much this person's getting paid and just treats everyone with respect. With respect and even more, and by the way, it's not a pushover, right? Like this is a guy who's like, hey man, <laughs> you know, like don't overstep, but mm -hmm. he's, he's someone who is just so respectful, but he does it with this kindness, you know, like a very Keanu Reeves kind of a thing, you know? Wow. And that's like that kind of a guy, compliment. like shit, man, I do, uh, I'd do anything with that guy. Like he's just so fun to be around. Uh, when you the set changes, like it just becomes like you know kind of a party, and it's just fucking great, man. He's would he would he yell? Because I always loved reading that. You know when they were shooting, so oh, no, I just seems, yeah, cut yeah, the all check. The time. I love all that. The time he's yelling that shit all the time. He's like cut the check. He was doing it, you know, all the time, and he's never trying to, you know steal shit is you know very present in scenes and allows the give and take yes allows that to happen he's not trying to snag anything or, or shine the light on himself like if somebody's having their moment he'll just he'll sit in it he's just a real motherfucker man i love i, I love that guy i love the private conversations with him and he was fantastic marsha marsha gay Harden's is the same too she's incredible christian cook fucking phenomenal great people great people I wanted just to briefly end because there are, you know, a plethora of articles on how you shared the story for Zeno involving into the emotional journey about two brothers and an examination of why we can fight so viciously with the ones we care for most. So look, are there any new details that you can share um, and what stage of the production is it in? Yeah, we're really close. Uh, spoke to Joe today. Uh, spoke to Carnahan today, and we're moving it forward where it needs to be, where it should be. Like a a film like this is, you know, it's it's Black Hawk Down meets Warrior in a high rise. You know, we've always pitched it that way, and going back and forth on the film, it 
and the iterations of the of the script it was always coming from like he's the same way like i'm the same way like some of the the biggest fights i've ever had are are with people who i i have a profound love and and respect for so i think in writing the script and joe's the same way so it, it was like we were both like hey man why do you do that and I'm like, I don't know. Why do you fucking do that? He's like, I don't know. Let's write about it. Why, why, you know, why do, why do we do this shit? It's also a statement and without ruining anything, it's, it's also about the heroes and the villains that we're presented with. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, nothing is what it seems. And that's what's really great about this story is it's this really relevant, especially now, especially now with everything that people are learning about our government and other governments and and how they operate and betray the people whom they're supposed to serve. We've taken this very relevant topic and theme and we've backed it into something that's commercially viable. I, I think that's that's the way to do it. But it's like unflinchingly apologetic in uh, unapologetic in kind of the presentation of, hey, this is the world we live in. And, uh, you know, sometimes our countries get involved in shit that they got no business getting involved in. Yeah. So look at that. It's a look, but at its core, it really is a story about two brothers. It's the brotherhood. Two, yeah. Yeah. Two, two brothers that are set on a collision course mm-hmm. uh, with each other. And they're, they both got their reasons, man. They both got the reasons for why they're fighting and what they're doing. And you kind of go, fuck, this is a difficult thing. And, and I've had that in my life. Uh, and Joe's had had it in his life. So we're, we are uh, getting on with our people tomorrow. And we, you know, Joe's been talking to two cast, you know, two of the guys to play the leads that are just blow your fucking mind, dude. It's so dope. And it's, it's been a long journey. Yes. Cause it's been this thing for like six years or however long it's taken. But it's got this new, like, renewed, like, energy, energy. and vibrancy and kind of like, you know, uh, this thing that it, it's got this teeth and swagger and it, it's just ready to go. So and, I'm, and I'm sure the action, and I'm going to go back to your quote, is going to be face melting in this because, I mean, when you look at a film like The Raid and The Raid 2, how do you, and I know you won't say, but how do you I'll top you. the action? I'll tell you. I'll tell <laughs> yeah. you. It, it, so... You know, when we started off on this thing, it, and by the way, this is not the same script. So there was an approach, right, mm. to the material when this was uh, the raid. Yes, right. Uh, it was running under the title. Yes. Right. And that was when it was with XYZ. And so we left there and, and we approached the script of, look, we're not going to do a remake. You can't remake that film. Mm, of course not. Fucking- Dynamite. It's so great. So instead of doing that, let's make a script. Look, like the script that we wrote is no more the raid than Dread is the raid or Die Hard is the raid. If we're going into a location that's one location to take out a bad guy, there's a billion movies that follow exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So we wrote it in that way. Now, since that time, the script went through a bunch more, uh, uh, a greater evolution until we arrived at this place where it really is, uh, and the action in it particularly, just wanted it to be real, like as real as possible. That's right, it needs to feel organic. 
you know, there's a scene, and the reason I say Black Hawk Down, there's a distinct difference mm-hmm. and feel to the action when you're dealing with the grunts, whether it's uh, Tom Hardy's character or, or any of these guys who are running through in the shooting yes. versus Eric Bana and his fucking specialized team, right? Mm-hmm. So taking those guys or like, you know, the characters in Lone Survivor, like particularly, you know, Ben Foster, you know, when he's sitting there taking people out, like there's a certain military contractor operators, you know, these, these guys and the action they see and how they execute it and translating that onto the screen in a way that seems very honest and very real. And that's definitely what, what Joe's going for. So I'm very wary of the time and I was hoping that um, no, no, we can, we can, we can go. I don't, I okay. don't have to. Yeah, we okay. can, can, but please let me know, just because uh, I really wanted to, because I wanted to talk about um, your business partner Andrea and you guys launching Boxcar Pictures. Yeah, how did that come about? You know, I met Andrea. I met her pre-pandemic, and she had, you know, seen Man Down. She had written scripts and and had this incredible. A television pilot that she had written and we just met via a mutual friend and just started sharing ideas and then it was like it, it it just kind of started to progress and she she started to send me projects i started to send her projects and just go just getting advice like hey here's a script what do you think and then she's like hey here's this thing i wrote what do you think and we just had this artistic shorthand that mm-hmm. just quickly like it was like i knew her in a previous life or some shit yeah like it was it was the wildest creative kind of escalation that i've ever experienced in in my life and <laughs> so you know we were talking and she goes you know I've, I've wanted to start a production company because i've acquired certain ip books graphic novels mm-hmm. a, a bunch of stuff that i have I had done it too. And I was like, well, hey, we can kind of join forces and see if we can kick these projects out. Um, she had a bunch of uh, financing connections, producing connections, things that she was working on. And dude, she's honest. And and that to me was like, there were multiple opportunities where she could have, as so many people have done, tossed me off something mm-hmm. or you know, take advantage or manipulate the situation to her own advantage. And, you know, I knew I could trust her and that's just so valuable. So she said, uh, why don't we start a production company or why don't don't we start a company where we can start developing these things and take some things out, do some pitches, you know, get these things out there. And I was like, yeah, sure. And she's like, you know, what do we call it? And, you know, going back to Carnahan, he caught me right after man down when i'd spent the minuscule amount of money that i made on that film Mm -hmm. and when i was just going from screenwriting gig to screenwriting gig and uh i used to take the train so i'd take the pacific surf liner from san diego and take it all the way up to san luis obispo and then back and i just lived on the train and i would i would take the train around and so joe would call and he'd go hey man He, he would like facetime me and be like Brother, where are you at? And I'd be like, oh, I'm on the train. He's like, the train. Why? Why are you on the fucking train again? Like, this is like the third time this week. And I was like, well, I'm not staying anywhere. I'm just kind of living on the train. Yeah. This is where I'm doing the writing. 
since Joe started calling me Boxcar Willie. <laughs> so you'd just call me up and be like, you'd be like, Boxcar Willie, where's Boxcar Willie this week? You know, is he in Nepal? Like, is he on a on a fucking train? You know, in in Montana? Like, where the fuck is he? So then uh, I was like, what about Boxcar Pictures? And Andre was like, that's so great. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great thing. It just kind of speaks and you know same thing with her you know coming down here living out of her car and everything she's been able to do every producer cred that she's got every story that she's written has been her work you know there's a lot of people in this town who sue to get producer credits who will make introductions to people and go oh oh wait i introduced you to that person so i should have an executive producer credit but they don't right. do shit on the film they don't work on the film they don't give money yeah. to the film it's just a transactional aha you i got you now you got to give me a credit everything that she has done has been through blood sweat and tears like i could not have a better business partner she's just as much of a beast uh, if not more than i am so it, it's just a great partnership, man. It's it's been dynamite. The performance is, is shooting over in Slovakia right now. If you could, you know, give us some highlights on that, because that's with Jeremy Piven. Yeah, Jeremy Piven, Robert Carlyle. He's, uh, it's a beautiful story, man. It's uh, based on uh, uh, Arthur Miller play. It's a story about what what you're willing to do. What lengths are you willing to go to to sell your soul and you know it's a, a period piece but i think it's relevant to today and it's all just before world war ii and this guy named harold played by jeremy piven is uh, a performer he's kind of a washed up performer he's seen his heyday and he's just doing like dancing and instruction just for pennies on the dollar and then somebody approaches him and goes like you know i remember you you were great oh, can you come and perform for me in here? I'm going to throw all this money at you. And this guy's going, oh my gosh, like, yeah, and it feels good to be appreciated. And then, you know, you find out this guy's a Nazi. And uh, now, you know, and right at the beginning is, as you know, the Third Reich is, is making their rise to power. And, you know, and uh, Jeremy Piven's character is Jewish. And, you know, like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you, and he How do you reconcile that? Yeah, yeah, and he develops a genuine friendship with this with this guy, and then it, it's that kind of dramatic struggle. It's it's really a beautiful piece. And then we produce this film on our way. Yeah, Sophie Lane Curtis, uh, her her directorial debut, beautiful soul. She's such a, a, a talented director and a really great artist. She's directed the hell out of this movie, and it's uh, Jordana Brewster. James Badge, Dale, Keith Powers, Michael Richardson, who's a great, great actor. Sophie's in it as well. James is so fun. Like, I, I mean, there's, a, there's a guy, right? There's a guy who probably has a million reasons to have a giant chip on his shoulder and just be an absolute cockbag. But he, he has so much grace and um, dedication as an actor, treats everybody well. Uh, it was just so much fun to play with. We had a couple scenes scenes together, and it was just a lot of fun. He's a great dude. I've 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 met very few people like James Badgedale in my life. He's a great guy, phenomenal human being. Um, so yeah, we shot that movie in the middle of COVID, which was you know a suicide mission. But 
and we shot the whole thing in New York in wow. the middle of the Yeah. And there were there were other productions going, you know, and and people going, It's a miracle, you know, we're shooting this movie in the middle of COVID and it's like, right. But you also have, you know, fifteen to twenty million dollars. Like we're doing this thing on a micro budget mm. and literally in the epicenter of the pandemic shooting this fucking thing. And but we did it, man. We did it. We came out on top and we're getting ready to we're taking it around now to the film festivals and you know it's going good it's going really good and of course hit kick punch kill which you know we've covered briefly so there is a lot that's uh listen bro hit kick punch kill is it's so i can't wait to talk about who's directing that because we have a director attached and it's like a dream come true i've always wanted to work with this guy he is he is uh He's at the top of his fucking game right now. Look, as I'm going to head us into the home stretch of the interview. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. But I wanted to ask the same questions that I asked Teddy Tenenbaum um, on the interview I had previously. And it was via this same quote by Lynn Manuel Miranda. So he Ooh. said, What is a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. So the question I have is, What legacy do you hope to leave your children about you? I mean, my relationship with them. I mean, it has nothing to do with the stories I write or the movies I make. It's it's like at the end of this road, whenever that comes, because that could come any day, it could come mm -hmm. tomorrow. Yeah, I just want to be remembered as a good dad, you know, good partner, good friend. Those are, those are the things that last. You know, um, like even even on the acting side, man, like it's like, I know, I know people that you would know, like if, if I said, you know, like this person, you instantly, you go, oh yeah, I know that actor, like, like great. But it's like, nobody remembers that shit. Like they don't, like movies go away. Like the movies that I was raised on, like a lot of the, I, 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 it's, a, it's a travesty to me that I walk into rooms and I go, Tony Scott and people go, who, huh? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%, man. Like, and that's insane to me because he had more of an effect on on me than I think anybody, any other filmmaker. And just and the like, pure output. And I mean, this is not, you know, or, to do a comparison between between the brothers, but Tony, Tony Scott, Tony, I think for me personally, yeah. consistently hit after hit. Yeah, just, Absolutely. you know. And no matter what he was shooting, everything looked like a, a painting. <laughs> yeah. Like just every frame. And the genres, like he never oh, stuck yeah. in the one lane. That's the versatility. Yeah. yeah, he was so great. And so that's kind of proof positive mm. in and and also, you know, uh, you know, on the water, any of these citizen came, whatever. People will talk about them, yeah. but they, they they're fading into memory but what lasts in the stories that people still tell is you know i was on this set and this guy you know he he treated me really well or, you know what i was down and out i couldn't pay my rent and this dude you know kicked me over you know this money took care of me or this person was really kind to my son you know shia was incredibly kind to to my son and it had a had a great effect on him and those those things last how you treat people 
And there's so many people in this business, writers, directors, actors, producers who walk around going, I'm the, you know, my, look at my fucking IMDb. I've got fucking minutes. Or, I was the number one actor in this. And I did this and I'm dead, dead, dead. whipping their dick out on the table whenever they get the opportunity. And usually, usually nine times out of 10, those people, I can't find anybody who will say something, something nice, something like, like those people, I've never heard somebody go, Hey, let me tell you something about so-and-so he did this for me and it saved my life or this person did this for me and it it really changed me or it was positive usually those motherfuckers are motherfuckers legacy man legacy's in this like it's us it is just like each other man the greatest greatest joy in the world are things that nobody knows like my greatest happiness my greatest joys in the world are They've never been shared. Yeah. Like, I'll never, I'll never share them. I have them with the people I have them with, you know, and that's, you know, that's with my friends. It's with my kids. That's, you know, I was just looking through like old videos and old, old footage. And there was this one photo of me and my kids that I was just like, man, and, and, uh, it was such a pivotal moment. My, my daughter and I have such a good relationship now, my son. Uh, my son lives with me. My daughter's at college, but it, it's like that shit, man. Yeah, you know, this making sandcastles and doing what we're doing, like that's all fine and dandy. But like, let's be real. Like this conversations and and talking and relationships and food and and you know commiserating with people like that's that's what lasts beyond the grave absolutely movies will die you know they will eventually we're all going to be hooked up to some kind of fucking matrix where we're playing avatars and in mark zuckerberg's you know metaverse (laughs) Uh, right but so you know movies might go the way of the dinosaur at some point in time but but connection human connection that's it baby I can't thank you enough, Adam, for your time, but I'm just wondering, because I'm really pushing it five no, more minutes, if it's possible. Yeah, please. yeah, let me, do, let me do this, dude. Let me, let me, let me. So what I want, because this bit has become kind of personally one of my favorite moments, and I hope it is for the listeners as well. Um, so I wanted to ask you the 10 questions that were asked by the late, great James Lipton at the end of every interview he hosted on Inside the Actor <laughs> Studio. Um, I like the parodies of those on SNL. They're you're great. Like, Will for, uh, what do you want to hear? And he's like, corn nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look, just as James did, I'll give credit for an iteration of the list to French talk show host Bernard Pivot, um, as well as noting its origins with French novelist Marcel Proust. If you're cool to continue, Adam. Yeah. All right. Get it. So, you know, the questions are meant to reveal greater insight into a person's thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Given how Nobody. candid you are, like that, by exactly. The way, but and no, but I think because you know, given how candid you are, like I think this could be something to behold. So, uh, right. so we'll start. So, what is your favorite word? It's two words, though. Go it's for it. All right, I would say, uh, "Little Mama." That's what I used to. That's what I used to call uh, my daughter. Um, I just, I, I, I yeah. There's a lot of a lot of meaning behind that for me. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that was a good. One. What is your least favorite word? Tactical. 
any, any of my any of my buddies about I hate that fucking tactical and the tactics with the tactical. I fucking oh god, shut up. I I hate that word. I also uh uh oh there was another one that somebody said the other day and I was like, God, shut up. Uh oh, what was the word? Ah, it's it's escaping me. I'll stick with tactical and if I get it, I'll shoot you an email and let you know what it was. But it was it had to do with my writing and somebody said this word and I was like, oh God. Um, but yeah, tactical. <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Oof. Jeez. What turns me on creatively is anything that allows me to work my shit out. Like any anything. And I, man, I'm still, you know, I'm 44. I'm still trying to work out stuff, stuff from my childhood, stuff, stuff now. Should that happen, you know, this year? And if it gives me the opportunity to go to examine it and go, ah, and make sense of it, that's it. That's great creatively. Like that really, really excites me. Um, spiritually, I reject all religions outright and I listen, man, like I read and write biblical Hebrew. I grew up in a Mormon household, went to Catholic school, went to a, 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 a born again, Christian grade school. And I've had my fill. And I think there's great poetry. There's great beauty in all the sacred works, you know, whether it's, you know, the Bible or the, the Quran, which I've read the Bhagavad Gita, the Tao Te Ching, the book of five rings. But when somebody like gets into that, this is the way, this is the only way I've got the answers to this giant fucking universe. And they start to manipulate it for their own gain or to place them above other people, which really is everyone, like every religious person that, you know, I followed uh, in life, they've, they've done that. I just reject that. But uh, what excites me spiritually is the journey because there's there's so much i don't know man i'll just tell you like dmt psilocybin mushrooms like like i've there's every time i ask a question it's just more questions and more questions and i'm so excited about that like the fact that this is something that i can't solve and it's not about solving it. I can just continue to learn and have experiences that I don't have explanations for is so exciting. And it's that thing that Hamlet says, yes, he's contemplating suicide, but he says that, uh, you know, the undiscovered country, you know, this thing that happens to die to sleep, you know, this thing that's, that's out there is very exciting to me. And emotionally, you know, I think, what's always kind of excited me and what's exciting me now, uh, as opposed to, you know, other times in my life is connection. Like being connected with my friends, being present with my friends, being connected and present with my kids, with anybody, just having a something that's beyond this bullshit of just like, hey, how are you? Oh, cool. All right, cool. Check out my Instagram, follow me on, you know, like any of that bullshit, like just, meaningful contact you know that's it what turns you off assholes <laughs> egomaniacs uh hollywood <laughs> 
<laughs> I got this friend of mine, Justin. Uh, he's a hell of an actor. He's such a good dude. Fucking love this guy. Yeah, we were talking about this this past week. I just, man, I can't stand this, like, do you know who I am bullshit. Like, just stop. Just stop. Like, that ego shit drives me crazy. It's the biggest turnoff in the world. What's your favorite curse word? Cunt. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that's terrible in America, but it's, there's a new one that's not really a curse word, but it it works for me and I love it. Toilet. I love it. I love it. Like, oh, that person's such a toilet. (laughs) It's such a great, it's a new one. It's a cunt, but like toilet is like, oh, that person is such a toilet human or or just like toilet. Fuck. Like, you know, oh, today is just a toilet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah anyway. what sound or noise do you love uh dogs dogs and babies i know that sounds weird i, I love uh you know uh sounds that my kids would make you know when they were when they were little laughing playing you know and dogs like if i hear a dog barking or uh you know our dog you know and he's he's making his noises like i, I love that Dogs are just perfect beings. What sound or noise do you hate? Hmm. I've never thought about that. Um, yeah, I can, I cannot, it always, when I hear it's so the same thing, whenever I hear a dog yelping or like, like a animal in pain, like that fucks me up. Like I want to go see like what's happening. Like who's, who's kicking that dog, you know, like, any of that that drives me crazy i hate that sound what profession other than your own would you like to attempt you know i've always thought about uh you know ranch hand like just working working somewhere mm-hmm. just like working with animals and there's this sanctuary called shadows fun that's in Lompoc that i've supported for a long time they rescue pit bulls and i was like man if i can just live here and just be around dogs all day long like that's that's it that would be the life i'd love to do that or teach i find teaching very rewarding like that's that's a lot of fun what profession would you not like to do slaughterhouse (laughs) i know i know people that have worked in slaughterhouses and it's like the most horrific thing on the face of the planet after years and years of doing it like factory farming and shit i think it's disgusting but yeah and the last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? That fucking sucked, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I fully expect that. Like I expect, you know, if any, any of that happens, he's like, I'm literally going to like, you know, go through a, you know, some kind of light or whatever, get there. And then this being will be there and just look at me like, right <laughs> jesus that was rough holy fuck that was he goes i know oh dude come over here like i've i've got some cool shit to show you check out this planet you know like yeah i could hear god god going like bro that was rough eh yeah that was rough jesus okay well that's done right come on give me dude hug give me up hey <laughs> and uh, I, I always thought, I kept trying to, because I never like to interrupt and break the moment that's trying to occur with these questions, but it was hard for me to get out of my head. 
before we started because you said corn dog. That bloody word <laughs> kept running oh, through my head. Yeah, and I dog. thought at some point he's going to say corn dog. So look, good. Adam, thank you so much for your generosity. What do you think? You. I, awesome. Your time and your candidness. Like um, therapy. I, I hope, <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed yourself on some level, mate. Um, I did, man, for sure. I can't wait to come to Australia, man. Okay, I got to get down there. I look forward to seeing your reimagining of Zeno, um, yeah. as well as the latest Joe Lynch collab on Silver Screen and yes. catching hit, kick, punch, kill at the box office when you share it with yeah, the baby. world under the boxcar pictures banner. And sincerely, man, all the best for your creative pursuits with Andrea and then with your other banners for 2022. And may you continue to not go gentle into the night. Oh, man, you're a sweetheart, dude. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And you too, man. Keep going. This thing's rocking. You're genuine. <laughs> being. I love I love that, man. Like, it's not forced bullshit. I, d- I just think it's great. I think you got a great format, a great platform. Man. Keep going. Thank you, man. To our listeners streaming this hopefully around the globe, I hope you've enjoyed the inspiring tale of courage and brawness from Adam G. Simon today. Thank you again, mate. It's been my pleasure. And to everyone else, until next time, stay strong, stay safe. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Crowdfunded Film. Subscribe to hear all future episodes. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. For more info, please visit Diary of a Crowdfunded Film on Facebook.